It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also the Vice President of Partner Strategy and Development Fetch Rewards Mobile Loyalty Platform. My co-host, Sri, is otherwise occupied today, but do not worry. We have a highly qualified substitute. She's part of the Fresh 4 team that delivers our curated news stories at the beginning of each episode. I call her the savant of Seattle. Please join me in welcoming e-commerce educator enthusiast, Andrea Lay of Andrea Lay Consulting. Andrea, how are you? I am great, Peter. It is a pleasure to be here today with you and Adam, uh, joining you from rainy Seattle, as you know, because you were just here last week. Um, yeah, really excited to be here. 
Andrea and I had our first live meeting last week. Shri and I flew out to Seattle. We recorded our annual awards episodes, the Omnis, which will debut over Christmas week. But it was really great to meet you in person. We, we cut some content. We went out for dinner. We saw a parade in downtown Bellevue. We even we even went up in the uh, Ferris wheel on the water. It was a lot of fun, Andrea. Thanks for thanks for being such a an absolutely wonderful host. Well, thanks for making the trek all the way out here. It was enjoyable, and I'm really looking forward to seeing and hearing the episodes. All right. Well, Andrea, this is going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward to working on this with you. Before we get to our guests, I want to remind our audience that all of our content may be found by simply visiting cpgguys.com. And if you aren't already following us on LinkedIn, just go to LinkedIn, enter CPG Guys into the search box. When you get to our page, simply click follow. That way you'll get to see all the content we're producing. You'll be completely up to speed. We're not just posting episodes uh, and video clips. We have a lot of other content that we share there. And the great thing about it is it's entirely affordable. It's absolutely free. So I'm pretty sure everybody can afford that. And I also want to remind our audience that the CPG guys are very proud to be partnered with the network of executive women. It is a powerful community of about 14,000 members representing 900 companies. It's born of the CPG and retail industry. Uh, and in the middle of every uh, Wednesday episode of the podcast, there's just a little bit of information about new current happenings. And if you want to learn more about the organization, how you might join, just go to newonline.org slash cpgguys, and you'll find everything else you want to know about new. All right. Advertising optimization and intelligence on e-commerce platforms like Amazon and Instacart are core focuses of both digitally native and scaled omni-channel brands alike. All too often, brands focus on the tactical components of running campaigns rather than thinking strategically about goals they want to achieve. So for this episode, the CPG guys are partnering with Perpetua, a company that is obsessed with building advertising tools that unlock predictable, sustainable growth for anyone who sells online. They leverage AI to enhance human creativity, not to replace it. Our guest for today's episode is the VP of Growth at Perpetua, who leads all customer and revenue growth. During his time at Perpetua, the company has shown meteoric growth, emerging as the industry leader for e-commerce advertising optimization and intelligence software. Prior to Perpetua, he was the co-founder and CEO of two consumer technology companies that were both acquired, and he was the general manager for the Indian payments juggernaut Paytm, which IPO'd in November. He's also the host of Growth Sessions, a podcast that explores key trends shaping the e-commerce industry. Please join Andrea and me in welcoming to the podcast, Adam Epstein. Adam, welcome. How are you doing today? Peter, thank you so much. I'm doing great. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm typically a host of a podcast. I usually sit in your seat. I rarely talk about myself. I ask questions and try to be quiet the whole time. Um, but now it's, it's a change of heart. I'm, I'm talking about our company, which I'm really excited to talk about. I'm talking about some of my thoughts on this industry, where we are, where we're going. So thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, that's great, Adam. And, and we're looking forward to a conversation and it's going to be fun putting a podcaster on the hot seat. It's always great to turn the tables. So very excited about that. We'll include hyperlinks to Adam's LinkedIn profile, to his podcast growth sessions. 
and the Perpetua site address in the digital liner notes of this episode. But why don't we ask Adam uh, just to give us a brief overview of Perpetua and what your business is about? Sure. So Perpetua provides growth infrastructure for e-commerce. We build software tools that help brands and their agency partners operating on behalf of their brand to grow on marketplaces like Amazon, Instacart, Walmart, and Target via advertising. So our product uh, allows advertisers to create, optimize, and analyze campaigns with advanced analytics and reporting to make the best possible decisions to grow their business in the exact manner as they see fit. We've done pretty well lately. In 2020, we grew by about 350%. I think we're set to grow by a little over 200% in 2021. We work with amazing brands like Crocs and Kimberly Clark, as well as a number of other emerging brands that you would typically see in walking around the aisle of Whole Foods. Uh, we have a little over a thousand customers spread across the globe. We recently expanded uh, to Europe japan and china all within a three-month cadence it was a very busy q3 for our company and myself in particular in which we expanded to europe in july japan in august and china in september and uh and we're happy to to be here yeah that's great and before i forget why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your podcast growth sessions and what you try to do with it during the peak of the pandemic, we started a podcast and webinar series that we sort of noticed that people were consuming via podcast more than webinar. And so sure enough, you know, podcasts work. It's a, it's a real thing. And sure enough, while we were discussing how we can reinvigorate that this past summer, we said to ourselves, look, let's make this podcast first, not webinar, and let's have a specific theme in mind. So the theme that we had this past year was we work with tons of different agencies. Agencies represent the primary portion of our business, and we definitely think about building products agency first. And we work with an amazing group of agency partners. We talk to agency partners every single day. Andrea, you're very familiar with lots of agencies and one in particular in this space. And we wanted to tell the story of a lot of these amazing agencies, how they built their business. And we wanted to tell the story of many of the leaders at retail media or commerce offerings at larger agencies and how they built their business and how they service their clients and what makes them different and what makes them special. It was awesome. It was an eight part series that we kicked off shortly after Labor Day that wrapped up right before Thanksgiving. And we're taking, taking ideas on what the next theme should be in 2022. But it was an awesome experience. We had leaders from Publicis, Omnicom, as well as uh, Wavemaker, chat on the podcast. I learned a ton and I think it was received quite well. I, I encourage you guys to give it a listen. I listen to your pod from, from time to time. Give us a shot afterwards. We're going to include a link to the Growth Sessions podcast in the digital liner note. So I'd say to everybody who's listening right now, you can open up your podcast app and click on some of those hyperlinks and follow along as you're listening to what we're doing. So thank you for that. So Adam, let's get right to the questions. I'm going to kick it off. What I want to start with is an understanding kind of what is the origin of Perpetua? What critical needs the industry was the company seeking to address in its founding? So the origin of our company really starts with our founder and CEO, a gentleman named Roscoe Hill, who's a really impressive guy. So Roscoe was an early employee at Palantir, Peter Thiel's big data startup that 
went public in summer 2020 and they're currently trading at about a $4 billion market cap. Roscoe was an early employee there, a couple Palantir folks, and he went to start a company called Blend, which is currently the US leader in mobile mortgage technology, which went public this summer. And I think they're trading at like a $3 billion market cap. So Roscoe's a pretty impressive dude. And while he was at Blend, in the world of financial services lives in a very high CAC world, high cost to acquire customer. And it's generally speaking that case because the friction of onboarding a customer in financial services is very high. You have to connect accounts. You have to go through all of these onboarding forms that if you can finally get a customer, there's a lot of value added high margin services that you can then sell to that customer thereafter. So Blend was like your typical venture back startup that had a ton of capital to acquire as many customers as possible. And Roscoe would talk to all these ad agencies in New York and they would say to him, like, what's your budget? And, and he, his view was like, why, why are we starting with budget? Like my budget is unlimited. If you can grow my business in, in an efficient manner in which the CAC is significantly lower than the LTV of the customers that you acquire. My, my, my business is my budget is, is whatever you want it to be provided. You can be awesome. And so that question kind of stuck with him and he's like, why are we thinking budget first? And why are we not thinking uh, growth potential first? And why can I not create the CAC to LTV engine that powers the internet? So I think a little over uh, around five years ago, he began trying to solve this problem. And it began by testing out all of the advertising platforms, Google, Facebook. And sure enough, he landed on this thing called Amazon sponsored product ads five years ago. And Amazon sponsored product ads five years ago. If you think they're effective now, then wow, like five years ago, these ads would show like a 10 to $15 row as they were like the first ads in which it was like highly attributable to every click leading to Y sales, which has X impact on organic and incremental sales. And the more and more he dug into the data, the more he, more he was like, there's something here. This is very significant. So we raised a small round, uh, a venture round and then built together a, a product and engineering team that really went to market at the beginning of 2018. And since then, it's been uh, a very, very meteoric rise for everyone that's been involved. And look, uh, we, we built a pretty good product. We have an amazing team, but we've also been uh, riding the tidal wave of opportunity, which is Amazon ads. And I think when Roscoe began the business, Amazon's advertising business was probably a $3 billion to $5 billion business. Now, I think when Amazon reports their Q4 earnings, it'll probably close at a 35 plus billion dollar run rate growing 70% year on year. So it's been a fun ride for a lot of people involved, uh, us included. And uh, we're really excited to continue this part of the journey as we expand beyond Amazon to other marketplaces and retailers. Before we, before I turn it over to Andrea, you threw out a couple of acronyms and I want to make sure because we're an educational podcast that everyone in the audience knows what they were. CAC is customer acquisition cost. LTV is lifetime value and ROAS is return on advertising spend. So if anyone has any questions in the audience, those are the terms you want to look up and you can learn more about it. So Andrea, I'm going to pass it over to you now. Adam, I couldn't agree more about the effectiveness of Amazon advertising uh, circa five years ago. It was a completely different world, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a... Yes, CPC is much lower. Not that many players in this space. Uh, it was a little bit of a gold rush for many folks that were early to Amazon. 
Absolutely. Well, okay. So earlier this year, you you guys were acquired by Edge by Essentials. So congratulations on the acquisition. That is really exciting to join forces with um, with a big company like that. Tell us a little bit more about how Perpetua kind of fits into Essentials Digital Commerce Division. For sure. So uh, we we were acquired by Essential. Um, Edge is another brand that lives within Essentials' uh, wider digital commerce family. And for those that aren't familiar with Essential, Essential is a publicly traded company on the London Stock Exchange that owns and operates a variety of brands that are industry leaders in marketing and advertising. So they own the event Con Lion, the advertising festival that occurs in Con in June. They own MediaLink, who operate as consultants and super connectors within advertising. And they also own a variety of properties in their digital commerce arm. Their digital commerce arm houses a, a Flywheel Digital, which is an agency that a lot of people know. They house Edge, which is a data and analytics company that provides share uh, and shelf data for large CPG brands globally. There's a variety of brands within China. Uh, one brand that exists within uh, that's uh, uh, one brand in Latin America called uh, Intellibrands. And in April of this past year, we were acquired. And so Essential uh, has recognized this wonderful world of e-commerce like many folks. And whereas there's a tremendous amount of activity and a tremendous amount of publicity to folks like Shopify who are basically building the DDC revolution and arming the rebels, as Shopify likes to say. I think Essential has recognized that still the bulk of all e-commerce transactions don't occur on DDC, but rather they occur on marketplaces. So marketplaces like Amazon, Instacart, Walmart, and Target, like the ones that we work with, this is still greater than 50% of all e-commerce sales in the US. And that's often the case in other developed markets globally. And Essential has made a decision to uh, to buy and in some cases organically build companies that are industry leaders that help brands grow on these marketplaces, whether they be services companies, whether they be data and analytics companies, or whether they be software providers like us. It's been a fun year. There's been a three or four more acquisitions that were also publicly announced, but we're really, really excited by working with a variety of the other essential brands to find ways in which we can work together, provide unique offerings that other folks in the space would not be able to provide were it not for the fact that we're all within one family. So it's been an exciting year. It's been different than our past three or four years. Um, and we're really, really excited for 2022. Yeah, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very fragmented industry, this kind of provider industry that we play in. And so, um, you know, there's a real, there's certainly a real competitive advantage to essential kind of bringing together a lot of these, I guess, defragmenting it or <laughs> consolidating it to some degree. All right. So that's very helpful, Adam. I think we now have a better understanding of what your company does and how Perpetua fits into the essential portfolio. So now let's let's move and start talking about some points of view on all of the transformation that's going on. And let's start with retail media. So from your position, why do you think, or why don't you think, I'm assuming you do, that retail media investment for brands is essentially non-negotiable in 
in a growth strategy that you better be doing it or you're not going to see the kind of growth that your competition is. So I, th- I think it's important to frame not necessarily retail media as retail media and rather frame this as a larger commerce uh, perspective. So if we back it up a little bit and think about brick and mortar commerce, trade spend and shopper marketing is about a hundred billion dollar business, a hundred billion dollar industry in the U S many consumers. I know that everyone that probably listens to this podcast knows this, but many consumers don't know that brands pay retailers a significant amount of money to just put products on their shelf. In fact, from what I've heard, uh, roughly 12 to 18% of all total sales gets funneled back into trade spend and shopper marketing dollars, which is actually really interesting because most of the CPG brands that we work with operate on a 12 to 18% blended ACOS model. Um, blended ACOS, Peter, I'm breaking down some acronyms again for, for the wider audience, but ACOS is basically Amazon's version of ROAS, which is spend over sales, blended ACOS or tacos, which is often referred to is all spend over all sales, which is the same metric that I just alluded to from a retail perspective. So this is happening in brick and mortar. There is this industry. We're just changing the way in which these transactions occur and we're disintermediating, disintermediating the buying and selling process of these slots. And instead, turning it into programmatically purchased advertising that's primarily based on a CPC basis. So that's, that's kind of the lay of the land. You know, when people talk about, oh, Amazon ads are very much pay to play. Well, sure. But getting into a retail store is very much pay to play as well. Nothing has really changed. Just the way people purchase is it's changed and that people are now purchasing on Amazon and not purchasing on retail. And so you know, I hear a lot that like brands are struggling to keep up and agencies on behalf of the brand or some instances are struggling to keep up because there's now more and more retailers that are creating retail media practices. But the thing that uh, people need to realize is that the shopper marketing dollars that may have existed in stores now just getting into a blended bucket across retail media and shopper marketing that invariably will probably be incremental for the retailer. But if you talk to someone like a Target or if you talk to someone like a Walmart, it's part of the larger JBP with a brand in that they are getting housed on their or they're getting picked up in retail locations and they're getting this placement on e-commerce, it's just the only thing that's changed is significantly more people are buying on e-commerce than they did in retail. So that's what's occurring. Um, it's not just some magical world in which retailers are saying you need to spend money with us. These, this, this way of operating this trade spend, the shopper marketing is now just blended into one term, which is retail media. And so. That I think is a really important concept that I think everyone needs to recognize is this has been happening for 20 and 30 years. It's just the same, same, but different. It's so true. Okay. So Adam, if I am a consumer brand, what are sort of the major like investing areas in omni-channel retail media that would be really hard for me without a platform like Perpetua? So I think there's two fundamental reasons why products like us need to exist. So one, if you're a savvy marketer and you're used to advertising on Facebook or Google, these advertising platforms are really, really powerful and easy to buy ads. 
Google's been doing this for over 25 years. Facebook's been doing this for almost 20 years. A lot of these new retail media platforms and advertising companies are really building their advertising businesses in the past two to three years. So the means with which a savvy advertiser can purchase these ads are very, very nascent, which also means it's very, very manual. And so for the savvy advertiser that's used to Google and Facebook and they throw themselves into an Amazon or a Walmart, they're like, whoa, like this is, this is crazy. Like I have to do all of these manual things. I'm uploading CSVs. I'm reviewing all these bid price changes. And it's, it's kind of wild for a savvy advertisers to go from something like, like Google and Facebook to an Amazon Walmart or an Instacart as an example. So that's, that's one is that, uh, these platforms are so new that it's actually very challenging to do a great job on them. If you're using the self-serve UI of the platform itself. The other thing is that as there's becoming more and more fragmentation and the same uh, media buyer is controlling media spend across all of these channels and all of these marketplaces, that media buyer needs to know where their next dollar should be spent. And it's very difficult to do so when you're logging into eight to 10 different platforms and trying to understand, hey, like Instacart is this much more efficient than Walmart and Walmart's this much more efficient than Amazon. So there's this need for a channel agnostic single source of truth in which all retail media spend and sales shows that advertiser where they should be spending their dollars and the most effective way to allocate their dollars on an ongoing basis to drive the best possible outcomes for their business. So we, we fit in the middle of that, right? So we, we've built some simple but powerful tools for advertisers to get amazing results. And we've created executive dashboards and advanced reporting for that advertiser to have an at a, at a glance view of all channels, all spend and all campaigns so that they can then make the best possible decisions to guide those results. I want to remind our audience that Andrea and I are speaking with Adam Epstein from Perpetua in today's episode. Before I move to the next question, uh, you gave me a great answer for my last question. You mentioned tacos. That reminds me I've got to stop by and get some shredded cheese and lettuce on the way home because my daughter sent me a message and say, I want tacos. Apparently, dragons like tacos. There's a book about it. I'm not quite sure, but in any event. So Adam, sorry, I, we like we like to mix a little fun in with our with our conversation here. We're not always completely serious. <laughs> um, so Adam, why don't you let us know from your perspective what are the retail media building blocks? You know how a retail marketplace starts and then how they ultimately grow. What what's going to drive that success? For sure. So, so one of the fun things that I like to say is sponsored product ads are the gateway drug to retail media. And by that, I mean, if you look at what sponsored product ads are, they're effectively uh, Google ads on steroids and that Google ads are the, one of the best business models ever paid search ads that are high intent, bottom of funnel. There's a direct correlation between the click of that ad to an outcome that you hope to achieve if you're any business buying Google ads. Well, now if you go to these marketplaces, sponsored product ads have a direct correlation to sales in which you can very, very accurately model click-through rate and conversion rate. I've heard someone say that top of search ads, sponsored product ads on Amazon are the greatest ad unit of all time. 
which, which might be accurate. If you asked someone about 10 years ago, I probably would have said Facebook mobile install ads where you, those, you know, those ads that occurred in Facebook where you download apps. That was when the app world was the, the iPhone changed the world in which everyone was downloading tons of new apps every single day. Well, e-commerce has changed the world in which we're now purchasing tons of new products every single day. And so sponsored product ads are these amazing and wildly effective ads in which people all experience a high row as because people are searching for products. There's a high intent to actually purchase the product. You can directly attribute that click to a sale and you can very easily model uh, how you can grow and find an efficiency frontier on your aggressiveness on sponsored product ads or some other retailers call it featured product ads. But a thing, so, something happens when you uh, begin with sponsored product ads and you start to get a little saturated. So CPCs are naturally going to rise for any one of these marketplaces. And, you know, CPCs rising are actually a really, really good signal. I get asked a lot of time, like, what do you think of CPCs rising? And it's like, CPCs rising is amazing. It's showing that not only are these ads wildly effective, but this is an auction. This isn't Amazon arbitrarily saying, I'm going to raise CPCs on my advertisers. This is an auction in which people are saying, these ads are still really, really effective. I'm going to continue to bid more on them and I'm going to bid more on them until I'm unprofitable. And so naturally CPCs rise. So it's a healthy, it's a positive signal that shows the health of the marketplace if there are CPCs rising. So we have CPCs rising, but ultimately all of these brands that selling onto these marketplaces need new ways to tell stories about their brand. So if we think about the mechanisms of search, you know, people search for three things, they either search for your brand, they either search for your category or they search for your competitors. And invariably you always want them searching for your brand because you have brand affinity. It's you're going to convert a lot higher on branded terms. So the question is, how do I get more branded searches? And branded searches are a really, really positive metric for brand affinity. And anytime someone runs an awareness campaign, branded search is going to be a key metric to determine the effectiveness of that campaign. So we have sponsored product ads at the bottom of the funnel as our gateway drug and building block for all of these retail media businesses. And then the next building blocks are how do I create mid and upper funnel ad units to help drive brand awareness and allow people to become more familiar with the other products that I have to offer to add, whether it be at the consideration phase or whether it be through display campaigns to then, um, drive more repeat purchase behavior and more brand affinity for my brand. So you, everyone looks to Amazon cause Amazon's the most advanced. So, you know, three years ago, Amazon came up with sponsored brand ads, which are sort of that headline that occurred at the top of the search shortly thereafter, uh, Amazon DSP began to be a much more pervasive and omnipresent part of one's meet retail media mix. And people were funneling more and more dollars towards that. So Amazon DSP for, the, the, the folks here, I'm, 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 I swear I'll only do like one more acronym every four minutes. I'll try and limit myself a little bit, but Amazon DSP is Amazon's demand side platform. And rather than in the world of sponsored ads in which you're playing per click on keywords and, and ASINs for the Amazon DSP, you're using Amazon's first party shopping data to create audiences for display ads that occur off on or off Amazon. And also more recently, uh, connected TV ads on Amazon's owned and operated TV properties like Prime, IMDb, and Twitch. 
And so Amazon has done an incredibly effective job over the past, let's call it two and a half years of moving advertisers up the funnel. And they've done so by creating incremental inventory within the native purchasing experience of Amazon, whether it be on sponsored brand ads, sponsored brand video ads, or sponsored display ads. But they've also done so by activating advertisers across the Amazon DSP and moving them up to upper funnel to connect to TV ads as well. And the power of Amazon is because they control this whole stack, they have this incredible marriage of performance measurement and uh, and reach. Reach is really, really important at the awareness level in which they're able to move advertisers up the funnel and create this incredible amount of incremental advertising revenue. So, you know, people say, how does Amazon's advertising business grow from 20 billion to 35 billion? Well, they've done so because they've been able to move people up the funnel really, really successfully. So then the next largest retail media business is naturally Walmart and Walmart is doing the same thing. Walmart recently announced their version of sponsored brand ads. Walmart recently announced their partnership with the trade desk to allow for Walmart's first party shopping data to um, allow for Walmart's first party shopping data to create display ads on on and off Walmart while also leveraging the trade desk's ability to to run connected TV ads as well. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how these other retail media platforms move people up the funnel. I know that Critio has a display offering. I know that Citrus Ads has a display offering that they're going to start to get pretty aggressive on. Instacart is creating a display offering, but it's on site and it looks a lot like sponsored brand ads on Amazon and Walmart. And so whereas Amazon has unfair advantages in which they can buy a lot of these properties, they bought IMDB a long time ago. They bought Twitch. Uh, Walmart partnered with the trade desk. It'll be very interesting to see what these other retail media platforms do as they seek to move up funnel, just like Amazon and Walmart have. Well, and that is like a perfect segue into our next question, which is what has been happening? I mean, we talked about the growth of retail media. You just talked a little bit about some of the particular retailers and their strategies. Um, and so, but globally thinking about retail media, what are some, what has been happening there that brands need to understand? Like what's sort of the forward looking perspective? Yeah, I, I think one of the most interesting things and what gets me really excited, given I told you about our international expansion that we we embarked on this past summer is this isn't a problem that's unique to the United States or North America. This exists globally, whether it be uh, whether it be Mercado Libre in Latin America, whether it be Coupon in Korea, whether it be other retailers spread across Europe, whether it be many of the newfound last mile delivery companies that are coming to a metropolitan city near you. Every single one of these marketplaces have the same problem that they're trying to solve and have the same market opportunity to create highly effective and profitable advertising businesses. And in some instances, people hire folks from Amazon to do this, but in many instances, if not all, everyone is following the same playbook. And also it's not necessarily Amazon's playbook. It's Google's playbook that Amazon is copying as well. So. This is, this is a global phenomenon. If you're a global brand, you have to now be thinking about how can I drive purchasing decisions in every single retail media or every single, uh, 
e-commerce marketplace and how can I use retail media to grow my brand in the exact way that I grew my brand in brick and mortar over the past 20 to 30 years. If you're an older brand or how I grew my brand over the past five to 10 years, if I'm a relatively new challenger brand. It's very clear that you and the team at Perpetua have developed subject matter expertise in in so many different retail platforms and marketplaces. I, I'm, I, I could ask you questions about all of them and keep us here all day. Let's focus on the, the big giant in Seattle where, where Andrea is from and stick with Amazon ads. Their business is growing in such a way that brands do need platform solutions like what Perpetua offers to win on their digital shelf. Can you explain exactly why that's the case? Yeah, so I, I think I, I mentioned the importance of using us to provide savvy advertisers with the means of executing strategy without being super, super manual. Uh, we're also that single source of truth for consolidating all of these advertising platforms. But I think one of the most interesting things is this notion of the digital shelf and that many of these platforms do not provide share of voice data, do not provide data such as organic rank. And there are some other advanced analytics and reporting that many of these platforms don't provide because, you know, there might be some concerns about how that data will be used. But at the end of the day, a savvy brand needs to know this information and they're going to come to a tool provider like us to get information so that they know when someone searches their branded term that they're showing up 100% of the time at top of search on Amazon. And moreover, if they're not, how can I make the necessary changes and what are those necessary changes to make to ensure that I'm appearing 100% of the time? How can I go to my CMO and say, hey, I'm not occurring 100% of the time. I'm a, I'm showing up only 25% of the time. If you want me to grow my business in Amazon and I own this PNL, I need this much incremental budget to compete against my competitors. And this is the expected result in sales that I'm going to get. So a lot of those questions ultimately can't be answered on these platforms because they just don't provide that data. Whereas, uh, we, um, in within our product, provide that data so that advertisers can make those decisions. Okay. So let's talk about Amazon marketing cloud for our listeners today. Maybe can you tell them what it is and why is it so important and how does Perpetua in particular help brands with the cloud? Sure. So I, I find that over the past year, Amazon marketing cloud is like almost like manna in the Bible. If you remember that, that food, that people, uh, it, it was like when Moses was leaving the desert and Amazon marketing cloud is whatever you want it to be. It's like this amorphous concept that everyone talks about it, but no one really knows what it is. And, um, we've been working specifically on Amazon marketing cloud for a little over a year. We find it very exciting. Amazon marketing cloud is a, what's called a clean room, which allows Amazon as well as a brand itself to upload first party data into this clean room in which that data can be extracted by private and secure queries to analyze that data and extract insights in a nutshell. And so, you know, 
Amazon Marketing Cloud really initially only began by showing DSP and sponsored product ads. While at the moment, they're quickly expanding to other um, ad units on Amazon. And where we found it particularly attractive and particularly impactful is we spoke about this notion of moving advertisers up the funnel, but for many advertisers, running a TV ad is rather new. They've never done it before. And you can't really do a TV ad on a 5K, 10K test and learn budget. You need to really invest in it. You need to say, hey, you know, I'm going to give this a real shot. I'm going to get creative, like not actually get creative, but, but pay for meaningful, substantial, and awesome, impactful creative to drive performance on the ad. And I'm going to have to dedicate a significant amount of media dollars to drive awareness to get the best, most reach as possible. And so, um, once people have those campaigns, being able to measure the effectiveness of those campaigns is a little bit of a challenge. And so I mentioned branded search as a metric that a lot of people look to, but one of the things that we've been able to do with Amazon marketing cloud is we've been effectively able to create almost Venn diagrams that show the likelihood that people will purchase your product after seeing a combination of a sponsored product ad and your OTT video or a sponsored brand ad and an OTT video, and then being able to use that to justify for that Amazon e-commerce leader. Hey, like these ads work. Um, they, they rise the tide of all of my other ads. And on account of that, not only should I run this ad now, but we should create in some instances an always on OTT strategy or other instances, anytime that there's a tentpole event, consider OTT as part of our larger media mix. So that's been a really exciting way for us to uh, dive into uh, dive into Amazon Marketing Cloud. Another thing that we're kind of obsessed with, which get back gets back to the origin story of Perpetua, is we started about this notion of CAC to LTV. Well, Amazon has this metric called new to brand purchases, which kind of morphs as that version of CAC on Amazon. The challenge with that though is new to brand is kind of a bogus metric because it's really only new to brand to Amazon. So the question that we ask ourselves is we leveraging Amazon marketing cloud, how can we get clients to put in their own proprietary data from their D2C site, put that in, determine if I'm actually getting a new customer. So CAC is like true CAC and not just Amazon CAC. And how can I then model out the lifetime value of that customer thereafter across purchases that would occur on both D to C on Amazon? So that's where things get really, really compelling. That's where, you know, we go back to Roscoe's dream of Perpetua a little over five years ago of creating the growth engine for the internet. Unfortunately, these data sources don't particularly talk well amongst each other, but Amazon Marketing Cloud is that first iteration of this wonderful world in which if you're savvy enough and run the right queries, you can truly understand some of these really compelling metrics that can help grow your business on both Amazon D2C and offline. I want to remind our audience that all of our content, our 160 podcast episodes, a list of our favorite podcasts that we like to listen to, we're going to add growth sessions to that as well so people can find that. I appreciate that, Peter. Oh, listen, uh, absolutely. Based on our conversation today, uh, it's very clear that you have a deep understanding of this industry, and I'm going to encourage everyone 
listening. If you want to learn more about the subject matter expertise that Adam and Perpetua have, just go to the digital liner notes to this podcast and click on either Adam's LinkedIn profile or clicked on Perpetua's website link and, and you can reach them and, and get to all that. But I would certainly also say um, uh, we are uh, an audience-driven podcast. And to do that, we ask for your feedback. What, who do you want us to talk to? What do you want us to talk about? Best way to do that, go to ratethispodcast.com slash cpgguys and leave us a review on the Apple platform. If you're inclined, give us a rating. We like those as well. Uh, we want our podcast to be focused on the things that are important to you. Uh, Adam, uh, I think you now hold the record for the most acronym mentions in a podcast episode. But the good news is, for our audience, <laughs> you broke down all those acronyms. And that is what's important because we're trying to educate this audience. We want to bring people along on the journey. And the only way they're going to do that is if we we help decompose. And I think you help demystify a lot of things. And you've also articulated very clearly why a platform like Perpetua can really help free brands and their people from doing very tactical activities and allow them to focus on on more strategic initiatives, which is what your mission is. So I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Okay. Can I can I ask a question of you of you two? You certainly Absolutely. can. So this is this is how this is how I end uh, uh, our podcast on growth sessions. Uh, we ask for a prediction. People love predictions. So can you can you? We'll start with you, Peter. Can you give me a prediction for retail media in 2022? Who won't be in retail media in 2022? My dry cleaner is is <laughs> down the street wants to create a retail media platform. Uh, I, I just, I think my prediction is that you'll see it from regional players, uh, just like you're seeing the proliferation at a national level, closed walled gardens and the desire to try and improve your performance on the digital shelf is going to necessitate that investment and brands are going to have to be judicious about how they allocate it but they it will not be for a lack of choices in 2022 andrea what do you got I, well, I agree with P I agree with Peter that everyone seems to be launching a retail media platform. I think who's really struggling to keep pace are the consumer brands because they have now, you know, a great. It used to be sort of Amazon was the only retail media game in town, and now they have a great many retailers whose advertising platforms they need to learn. They all measure differently. You know, it's it's a it's a complicated space for them. And I think that, you know, insofar as agencies go, we're going to continue to see consolidation and ways that there will continue to be opportunities to simplify this for consumer brands, because it's a real pain point right now. And, and not just in retail media, but, you know, operating across multiple e-commerce marketplaces in general is, is, is a complex initiative for consumer brands. I was in, in one of my share groups recently, a consumer brand shared that they're working with across their organization and not limited just e-commerce, obviously, but they're working with 35 agencies and that's not tenable. Um, and, and, and a lot of them were in the e-commerce space. So I think we'll continue to see consolidation, you know, um, simplification on behalf of the brands. They'll, we'll continue to see companies, you know, finding ways to exploit that opportunity. 
Adam, like a true podcaster, you managed to turn the tables and interview us. So kudos to you for, <laughs> for that little maneuver. That was that was quite adept on your part. But uh, look, people love predictions. People people want to know what's coming next. And um, you two both have a very unique perspective as well on given the wide variety of people that you talk to, given the, your line of work that I'm sure people want to know what your big prediction is for 2022. So that was helpful. Thank you. You know, Adam, I'll tell you this. Uh, you said it at the beginning and you made reference to this about hosting a podcast that uh, I, I certainly agree that no one learns more in the process of doing these podcasts than the host because we're the one doing the listening most of the time, right? And so it is, uh, I didn't, I remember our, our second episode, Shri mentioned ROAS. I had no idea. I'd never worked with Amazon. I didn't know what ROAS was. He broke that down for me. And so it's been a journey for me as well. And I want to thank you on behalf of our audience of helping contribute to the conversation. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. And I want to encourage everyone listening, please reach out to Adam and Perpetua to learn more because they have substantial subject matter expertise in this area. So thank you, Adam, for joining us. Thank you, Adam. It was nice to meet you. Thanks so much. It was great being here. Andrea, a uh, pleasure having you join me today for this episode. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. This was really fascinating. It was a pleasure and uh, thanks for having me. And I'd uh, remind our audience, uh, you'll hear a lot more from Andrea, not only on our weekly episode, but our upcoming Omni's Award Ceremony, the week of Christmas. So terrific. Uh, and with that, I'll thank all of our audience for joining us. And we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.